bum bum bottom 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 bum
like all of Brad's accomplishments. And while he's gone, I get to really see how codependent I am. So uh, my my usual routine when Brad is off on a business trip doing something super cool is that I eat everything in the fridge <laughs> and then I make a total mess of the apartment. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that, but when so I he came comes home, back to chores. Woof. A bomb had gone off in the door cave. In my defense, like, uh, Brad is the one who takes out the trash and takes out the recycling. I do the laundry. And he does the laundry. He pretty much does all of the housework, let's be real. But I couldn't take out the trash because while Brad was gone, we had, like, a huge (laughs) ice storm and (laughs) snowstorm. So I was like tr- stuck indoors like that entire time. So Brad came home and the uh, the recycling in particular. Had oh become, my god! It was it was the size of a Leica set. It was about <laughs> it. Uh, like you know, we 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 are not the tidiest people when we're together. Mm-hmm. That's true. We are not uh, the the type that you would see on a. Home and Garden Improvement we Channel. We are way more likely to be seen on something more like Hoarders. Yeah, we, we would, would never be, let Marie Kondo into our home. We would be a great candidate for that show. Yeah, but she's not stepping foot in here, Lisa. Joke's on her. We love everything. We're surrounded by things that spark joy. Even the 10 million cans overflowing from our recycle uh-huh, bin. Uh-huh. They bring me Why joy. do you need all those wizard magazines from the 90s, Brad? Are you still reading them? Yes, Marie Kondo, I am. Oh, when you're a nerd, when you're like a true dork a lot of your satisfaction is just owning things you don't have to read it we own lots of books that we have yet to read it just means that uh that our future is full of plans yeah why does all that dust collect on all these things lisa Lisa, if we, we love it so much because part of our joy comes from just having it. And the dust is part of the collection, too. That's right. We're, it sparks joy. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, no, it does. It does. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I had a great week. Lisa had a, a codependent uh, realization week. We <laughs> we knew that already, though. Yeah. There's no revelations there. Yeah. I am so excited uh, to talk Batman Incorporated uh, today. Lisa, you know... That I love Grant Morrison. Yeah, you do. (laughs) And last week, you know, we talked about Frank Miller and Batman Year One. They're two celebrated slash infamous creator title combos. And this week is no difference. Uh, Grant Morrison also has a reputation. And his Batman run is less celebrated than Frank Miller's. In fact, I think if you look at Grant Morrison's... uh, bibliography as a whole, people are happy to celebrate All-Star Superman. They love talking about Doom Patrol and Animal Man and the Invisibles. Few people really talk about his Batman run, and I think that's a shame. I think his Batman run might be my favorite Grant Morrison work. Oh, interesting. He tends to be a divisive character because he comes to comics with a very specific perspective and a very specific like idea of what the rules are for a certain character. And he likes to pull ideas from more mm-hmm. obscure comics and go like, well, in this universe, this obscure weird thing is a fact and we're going to deal with it within the pages of this book. Um, so sometimes he can make 
strong choices like Batman Incorporated, where there's not one Batman anymore because anybody can put on a mask. So now there's a bajillion Batman. And I can see that really um, putting a bug up of certain Batman fans' butts. Yes, and, 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 and it certainly did. And it was almost immediately retconned when he left the series, <laughs> uh, which is that's a total hurt, bummer. That's got to hurt feelings. Like, Chris Morrison's <laughs> like, look at all of these beautiful characters and circumstances I created. And then it's just like, them just like pulling a dark curtain yeah, over it. Yeah, like, yeah. no. Yeah. So, you know, some things stuck around, but a, a lot didn't. Um, Morrison took over the monthly Batman series with issue number 655 in 2006. While he had written the character previously in his Arkham Asylum miniseries, as well as a great run on JLA and a few other places, this is where the Scottish comic book writer placed his ultimate stamp on the mythology. At the start of this particular series, Morrison revealed that Bruce Wayne was the biological father of Talia al Ghul's son, Damien, making his diabolical arch-nemesis Ra's al Ghul a father-in-law of sorts. Which we see in the Dark Knight series. That comes yes, up. Yes, yeah. Uh... Now, the Christopher Nolan right. movies. Morrison would work on Batman for seven years. That's a that's a huge chunk of time. Um, and and Lisa, last week we talked a little bit about our favorite versions of Batman, or at least the first Batman you experienced in Batman Returns. Um, but we never really determined what your favorite type of Batman is. Do you do you have a favorite Batman? Oh man. Um I don't I don't think I have like one specific Batman because I approach every comic book as its like own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I approach a Frank Miller Batman and he describes Batman in a certain way, I accept it and then go into the story going like, "Okay, these are this set of rules." And then I go to the Michael Keaton Batman, and the rules are a little bit different. The character is a little bit different. But within the context of those movies, I enjoy that story. Super attached to the Christopher Nolan movies. Like, I really enjoy the first one in particular is my favorite. Same. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, everyone loves The Dark Knight, but for me, Batman Begins is really, like, the groundbreaking cinematic work. Absolutely. And it, and it came out, I think... When did it come 2005. out? 2005. 2005. So I was in college. I was just kind of starting on my own, trying to figure out what comic books were and how they resonated with me. And I started with comics in a very dark place, reading Watchmen, reading Frank Miller's Dark Knight series and so on. So that was, they have a special place in my heart too. But then, you know, the, the Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah. They 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 mean so I you can, like Adam West? We've watched a lot of Adam I West. I super love Adam West. I'm a huge monkeys fan. Rest in peace, Peter Torek. He died last week. Oh um, uh, yeah, bro brokenhearted. Like Brad had to hear me cry over the phone so much. Yeah, we've mentioned briefly how much Lisa loves the monkeys, but <sighs> listen, they're my everything. But I also love that era of television, mm -hmm. and so the Adam West Batman is part of that. Yeah, occasionally and there's actually a lot of crossover and extras, which is really super fun. We sometimes do a Nick at Night type of uh, TV situation yeah. where we watch an episode of The Monkees, the Adam West Batman, and uh, the original Star Trek series. It's so fun. We're, we are the biggest, cutest <laughs> dorks. <laughs> but I, to me, 
when I'm approaching a comic, when I'm approaching a character or a movie or a book or a comic strip, like anything, all I want is like a good, compelling story that within itself stays consistent with the presentation of, okay, well, in this version of Batman, he dresses this way, he's quippy, or he's serious, or he's troubled, or whatever. I just I just like good stories. So you're a perfect audience member for Grant Morrison's take on the character. Yeah. Um, you know, fandom as a whole tend to works like this. Frank Miller is my Batman. No, Michael Keaton is my Batman. Well, I think Adam West is the bee's knees. Huh? Don't be stupid. Kevin Conroy is the best Dark Knight detective. Well, what about Jim Aparo or Scott Snyder or Jeff Loeb? Grant Morrison looks at every version of Batman and says, hey, they all have something to contribute. And the great thing about a character like Batman that has existed over the course of 80 years of continuity is that there is a Batman for everybody. And actually, no one Batman is better than the other. We've said this before on this podcast, but all Batman are valid. We're going to get that on a T-shirt, Lisa. I promise <laughs> I think you. we should. And I think a huge part of Batman's identity is that like, he's a symbol first. Like this idea of, well, I can't do crimes because of this mysterious figure, the Batman. The Batman stands for the justice of the people. So I think that taking the symbol that is Batman and changing the man behind the symbol mm. is like totally fits within the context of the Batman narrative. I think it's a really, like Grant Morrison took a really um, interesting take on what is Batman besides a symbol. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that and that's the thing that I appreciate so much about this book is that he tries to incorporate every single weird, wonderful, bright, dark, grim, and silly Batman concept into that seven-year run of books. He even makes the interdimensional Batmite work for this concept. That he, sounds amazing. Oh, oh, Lisa, yes, yes. I want you to read the Batmite stuff that Morrison did. Um, you know, it, 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 yes, it's... It's stunning, it's a little convoluted, but it's one hell of a read. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to read something to you, Lisa, something that Grant Morrison said in an interview with DC Comics back in 2011, a few years before the series actually uh, ended. Can I do yeah, that? please. Here's more. The original pitch was for 15 issues winding up with Batman R.I.P., which was a, a mega event but something happened along. As I was researching his rich history, I became fascinated by the idea that every Batman story was in some way true and biographical from the savage, young, pulp flavored, weird figure of the dark of his early years through the smiling paternal figure of the 1940s and the proto psychedelic crusader of the 50s, the superhero detective of the 60s, the hairy chested globetrotting adventurer of the 70s to the brutally physical vigilante of the 80s and the snarling paranoid soldier of the 90s. By taking his entire publishing history as the story of his life, I was able to approach Batman from a different angle and the multifaceted character that was revealed became the subject of my story. Very cool. Yeah. Um, incredibly geeky, incredibly nerdy, intimidating. I wouldn't necessarily say that 
his run should be the first Batman comic you should ever read. But once you get through stuff like the long Halloween and Batman year one and the Scott Snyder stuff and the Tom King stuff, I think Grant Morrison is a wonderful place for a Batman fan to eventually wind up. When they get there, they are going to have a treasure trove of content opened up to them. And they are now suddenly like I did wanting to go back and read stories about the rainbow creature and Batman when he gave up the identity and became Starman and all these bizarre stories of the past. I love that he goes, yeah, all that stuff, it's good. Adam West Batman's good. There's stuff in there that I can use today in a modern context. When you read Grant Morrison's book, Super Gods, Mm, he has such a tremendous amount of respect for the legacy all of these comics creators have started And the idea that he would pick up one of the more obscure or several of the more obscure um, historical threads of a character and kind of braid them all together. That's a very Grant Morrison approach. And he can be challenging for the beginning comic reader, I think, because it's so, and comics are seen as intimidating to a lot of people because of this. It's so, um, like, uh, legacy rich. It's so reference heavy Yeah, that you like when you're reading a comic, it's very easy to feel a little bit left out of the greater culture. When you go to the comic book store in a couple weeks and see detective comics, number 1000 hit the stands, you go, Oh boy, I don't, comics are not for me. Yeah. Well, you feel like you're diving in, in medias res. Like Mm -hmm. how am I ever going to catch up with this tremendous, History And there are some comics that do a great job of introducing a character. And Grant Morrison, that doesn't really interest him that much, and, which and, is fine. I my, think it's wonderful. And my belief is really you don't have to worry about the numbers. You can dive in halfway through a story and figure it out. That's how I got into comics as a kid, and it still works that way. I think it works better as a Kids are kind of used to being dumb and not knowing everything. <laughs> and then when you're an adult, you're like... Okay, I know the certain set of things, and I'm willing But if I'm diving into something in which I know nothing, then I feel like, oh, no, now I've got homework or whatever. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And, and it could be that I'm just used to the format at this point. But more often than not, I think you can just pick up a comic and get reacquainted pretty quickly. Or at the very least, you can find the start of the Grant Morrison run you know, with issue 655 and just enjoy his run and don't have to worry about the run that came before or even the run that comes after. Yeah, and you can just dive into, well, if something makes you curious, you can follow that. And if it doesn't make you curious, then you don't have to. And I think this week's book is a good case for that. Batman and is technically, you know, somewhere in the middle of Morrison's run. But the way he approaches it with this two-issue story, Mr. Unknown is Dead, you really don't know what's been going on before, and it doesn't matter. Uh, This is a very much a self-contained, cute little story that's not that hung up with Batman continuity. Would you? Totally, totally. The 
going to Tokyo to recruit Mr. Unknown to be the next, to be the bat, the Batman of Japan. It was an easy enough concept to get on board with. And mostly I just like watching Batman and Catwoman flirt it up. Yeah, which is basically, like you said, that's the, that's what this comic is. That's really it. It's, a, it's an excuse for two characters to ha- that have an, a little bit of an antagonistic relationship to mack on each other. Now, of course, the relationship book we've been using to talk about Batman and Catwoman this month is He's Just Not That Into You. And applied to these two issues, I got to say, Batman and Catwoman are pretty into each other. Are they, though? Oh. So since I've read all of Greg Barrett and Liz Ticilio's He's Just Not That Into You, my relationship apathy radar is like <laughs> honed. So I'm going page by page, checking out Batman's behavior. Mm. How does he word his invitation for Selena to join him on his next adventure? What is his body language towards her when she's being very forward and sexual with him? To me, I feel like. We're entering the center of this relationship. They've been hanging out for a while. Now Bruce Wayne and her under the name Elva Barr are appearing mm -hmm. together in public. Yeah, yeah. Masquerade. But but we know that the the person he is as Bruce, as the playboy Bruce Wayne, is not real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So his the fact that he has her around. Shows he's very attracted to her. He doesn't mind her company, but is he into her? As in a committed, till death do we part Mm. relationship. Uh, I think that's debatable. uh, So I I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but in Batman Incorporated, when they get to Japan and they go to the gym and they're out of costume and they are, you know, working on their muscles. Bruce and Selena, yeah. Yeah, Bruce and Selena. Do you think that's Bruce talking there or do you still think that's the Playboy persona? I think that it's Bruce talking there, but look at his body language versus her body language. Uh, She is the aggressive in that situation. She's climbing up on top of him. Yeah, Mm. she's being very forward. Okay, okay. Um, also the fact, mm, I so just want to get into the book, but I just want (laughs) to lay it out there. Some of the philosophy, some of the philosophy, he's not that into you. If he isn't dating you, are they really dating or are they conspiring? No, they're just conspiring. He's not that into you. If he doesn't want to marry you, there's not a lot of relationship conversation but he sends tends to keep things very Mm. open-ended with selena he goes selena i'm gonna do this you can do what you want he's not and now this is a chapter we haven't talked yet but chapter 11 he's just not that into you if he's a selfish jerk a bully or a really big freak Mm. there are certain behaviors that a man might do when he's just not that into the person they're in a relationship with that is self-preservational. And I think that Bruce Wayne, Batman, is doing a lot of self-preservational 
um, oh, well, I mean, behaviors for sure. Even that, within his plot to uh, spread Batman all over the world, that keep Selena at arm's length, uh-huh, where uh-huh. you can't really have an open and honest relationship between these two people. There's just not that history of trust there. He mm. just he doesn't he doesn't open himself up to really trust Selena. At least not at this point. Okay. All right. That's interesting. I, I, I can't say that I was really thinking along those lines before this conversation, but now that you've said all that, you're not wrong. The philosophy of he's just not that into you is the philosophy of finding someone to settle down with. It's one thing where you're dating someone and they're super fun and you're enjoying sex with them and you're enjoying dating them, you enjoy their company. But you're not going to commit to that person and in your heart you know it or you are going to be communicating that through these he's just not that into you behaviors. And what Greg is doing, what Liz is doing is honing the female skills to recognize this behavior and get out so they can go back to their ultimate aim, Mm. which is to find someone to be there forever someone. Mm, mm, like not, mm. to me, I don't think that there can be dating where it is just fun. You're, it doesn't have to be forever. But if you're reading, he's just not that into you, you want to, your ultimate aim is to find a monogamous relationship. Okay. And and to me, I don't think like that's everybody's path, but. That's maybe not Batman's path and that might not be Catwoman's path either. And we don't know, but I'm saying, I think Selena is a little bit more into Batman than Batman is into Selena. And she's trying to express through her Catwoman ways, hey, I'm into you. I'm down for doing what you want to do. I'm willing to compromise in such and such a way. But then she also has her own separate aims, right? Mm. Um, And he's saying, you can follow me. But we will not be equal partners. And um, when you decide to go your own way, it's not going to hurt me. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. That, that's what I think. You know, bev- I, 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 I don't want to keep sidetracking before we get into the actual nitty gritty of this comic. But I, there is a passage that Morrison writes about Catwoman as a character at the in the end materials of the Batman Incorporated hardcover. Can I read you a So this is Grant Morrison writing about Catwoman. One of Batman's most popular, best-known, and long-running adversaries, Catwoman debuted alongside Robin in Batman number 1 in 1940. Her on-off love-hate relationship with the Dark Knight has provided fuel for countless stories over the decades and is likely to inspire a whole lot more. Here, the two old sparring partners are in loved-up mode, allowing her to strut her stuff on the right side of the law for once. Loved up mode, Lisa. That's what I wanted to talk about right there. Uh, what 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 do you think he's getting at there? Because I, I think he is attracted to the thing that I'm attracted to with this couple in this moment. Loved up mode being strong flirtation, sexy, sexy. And that's why I didn't see that he's just not that into you behavior because this is the... 
fanboy, sexy, sexy time that we come to expect and really dig about this couple. And I think I come away going like this, you know, their, their, their relationship will never grow beyond this stage. So that when Tom King later on, many years later on, would actually have Batman propose to Catwoman, that almost felt like an affront, like, no, 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 no. It should always be Adam West, Julie Newmar tension. I am not surprised that there has always been this kind of on and off relationship with Batman and Catwoman going back to how long ago did you say? 1940. To the 40s. And But this idea of Catwoman just hasn't had the love of the right man to turn her straight. Mm. Like this idea <laughs> that the proper dicking can turn a villain to a heroine. My, my, my. <laughs> so to me, it's... Um, it's a male fantasy. It's a male fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> this idea of, well, Selena Kyle, she was betrayed by bad guys. But like we saw in our first episode, the autobiography of Bruce Wayne. But shown the love of a good man, a woman can change. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for next week's episode. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about he's just not that into you before we dive in? I guess since uh, no, we have one more week of this book. I I still have thoughts that I've kind of been keeping to myself. Ooh, that secrets. Um, where I feel like it's very judgy of people who are in open relationships. It's an over-gendered idea, this idea that men are the only people to do skeezy, evasive behaviors as a way of of turning down but not turning down a woman. Um, and also- You're saying that women do that too? Hell yes, they do. <laughs> hell is, yes, they do. Is there a She's Just Not That Into You spinoff book? I have no idea. Uh, neither do I. There I should think, be. I think that the that anybody could read. He's just not, if you took the genderization out of this and just changed it to they're just that not that into you, the message of the book wouldn't change. I think it would just be more inclusive. I think this is a very '90s esque book, early aughts. I can't remember. But anyway, it's just, it's really, it's, the book is super dated. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into it, Lisa. Are you ready? Oh, I was born ready. All right. Quick refresher of the first two issues of Batman Incorporated entitled Mr. Unknown is Dead, written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by, forgive me if I butcher your name, Yannick Paquette, and published between January and February of 2011. So we're basically building up to the climax of Morrison's Batman stories that would eventually arrive two years later at the end of 2013. Now, before the start of this series, we've alluded to this already, but Bruce Wayne reveals himself to the media as the financial backer of Batman and explains that he will be launching a worldwide security organization, basically turning Batman into a global franchise. As this book starts, Bruce Wayne travels to Japan where he will recruit their pulp adventurer known as Mr. Unknown into 
Catwoman tags along for the ride after the two of them accidentally bump into each other while stealing a special diamond from the lair of Dr. Savannah. Did they accidentally bump into each other? Yeah. She was going after this diamond and Batman was going after the diamond as well for different purposes. Catwoman for she loves diamonds. Batman because this diamond can be used to destroy the world. But I thought, like, I got the impression that she was not expecting to find a diamond. Like when but when the first words of this comic are, oh, fancy, we've got to stop meeting each other this way. But I thought that that was because Batman just has like a standing open invitation to Catwoman going like, okay, if I'm going to go do a thing. Because later, after she steals the diamond, when they're back in that scene where they're working out together... She says, I stole this diamond for you. If she was going into the to get the diamond mm, for right, herself, right. she would have just kept it. I don't know. I don't think it really matters. They uh, meet up in the beginning to take down Dr. Savannah and his robot mice and steal that diamond. And Catwoman decides to join him to Japan for a little fun, a little bump and grind, as it Ew. turns out. Uh, now, unfortunately for Batman, the evil yet mighty Lord Deathman has already killed several days before Batman and Catwoman. However, all is not lost. Mr. Unknown's younger body double named Jiro Asama is alive and well and wants revenge for the murder of his mentor. Jiro, Bruce, and Selina team up against the supposedly unkillable Lord Deathman and battle it out as an audition test for the new... So, Lisa, before we go any further, I want to talk about... That, that sexiness of this coupling. In the opening, when Batman and Catwoman, Bruce and Selina, are battling off those robot mice in Savannah's lair, which I love that they're battling a Shazam villain, by the way. I, you know, this is very brave in the bold. And Morrison talks about how he's inspired by the animated cartoon, which I love so much. And that's how he wanted to start off incorporated with these tiny segments like they do in each episode. But okay, okay, I'm, I'm nerding out a little bit. <laughs> uh, do you, do you uh, think they are sexy together? Do you like them in their flirtations in this sequence? To me, I feel like Catwoman is flirting. I don't really feel like Batman is flirting that much in this particular scene. opening scene. Mm-hmm. I think that there are later moments where he's kind of giving her a little bit of a chivalrous nod. But I think in this, um, he's just happy that he can kind of, uh, like, I'll do this part and, and you can do that part. And he can kind of... Uh, Delegate, yeah, delegate tasks. So, So, but I really do think that um, Selena is doing this for Batman. I wanted to bring up this scene for a couple reasons. One, the art. I am a fan of Yannick Pequet's artistic style, but it is incredibly oversexed. You know, Catwoman is spilling out of her costume. She's barely wearing that thing. Absolutely. And any opportunity to show the perfect apple shape of her ass, he takes. Yeah, so it is dated in that sense. I do not think you would see these types of positions. Well, you might in some of the the, the crappier comics yeah. the, the, that, that still exist. And, and DC you know, is not the most politically correct comic. But even so, I think the Catwoman we'll see in the uh, Tom King books mm-hmm. is not drawn the way that Yannick Pequet draws Catwoman here. Yeah, there's a serious 
uh, bondage vibe. Now, I also have to be honest and say, I like all of that. Yeah. <laughs> that really, while Brad, I recognize as a it, man, yeah, you really enjoy the yeah, fact that her breasts yeah, are like two perfect. I, I, I recognize that this is a, a sexist uh, depiction and a typical cliche depiction of the female form within the comic book, but I still like it. I am a, a nearly 40 year old white man who <laughs> enjoys his bondage catwoman. Okay. Sex sells. I'm being honest. I'm being honest with I my wife. I appreciate it. And my listeners. Yeah. Uh, the second. I have no real idea why Catwoman is here. I know she has motives. She wants to steal that diamond. And maybe I guess she wants to steal that diamond for Batman. And maybe this is just an opportunity for her to latch onto this dude that she's hot for in this moment. But I don't really get their reasoning for partnering up and why Batman is tolerating her. To me, like, I think what's going on is she is showing that she's willing to change her cat burglar ways in exchange for time with Batman. Yeah, but like you said, he's very, uh, you know, standoffish in that scene so that when suddenly she's joining him to Japan... I, I I feel like this scene should end with an invitation to Catwoman. The idea that now she's on the plane going to Japan with Bruce is bizarre to me. But then in the very next scene, which we're going to talk about soon, like they are staying in a hotel room together. Like he says, you know, in exchange for you being on good behavior and stealing this diamond for me, mm. the next hotel mm-hmm, we mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. will be a really nice hotel where I guess... <laughs> Batman would just slum it if he didn't have a lady to please. I don't know. So they are still, even if he is all business most of the time, they're still clearly sleeping together. They they have relationship-esque behaviors. Even if while on the job, he's like, you do your thing, I do my thing. Oh, so that's what it is. It's an Well, let's talk about that gym sequence in Japan, Lisa. Yeah. You keep making reference to them working out together. She is wearing a sports bra, <laughs> so I guess we can assume that maybe she's working out. Well, he knee-high lace-up dominatrix boots, and she's hydrating with champagne. Well, those boots, I think, are just her boots from her costume, maybe? So it's it's like a dress rehearsal. Like, you have to work out in the the shoes that you're going to wear on the job. That makes sense. But she is just watching... The, uh, The news, the celebrity gossip about them. And she points out, oh, like, in this reality... Uh, in in the rumor mill, we're engaged, by the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she's like, how did you get this suite? And he goes, I own the hotel. I thought you deserved the best after the whole giant robot mouse incident. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. And then presumably that last panel ends with insertion. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we don't know. But they do have a little bit of conversation about how Bruce Wayne, how how he's not really being 100% open with her because she's like, you know, I know that what I stole was not a real diamond. I'm Catwoman. I know what real diamonds are. But he says, um, he's very evasive. He says, some things are rarer than diamonds. Let's just say it's safer with me. 
So he doesn't, he's not open enough with her to say, oh, well, this diamond looking thing is actually this tremendous weapon, or it is some kind of storage of files. I've watched uh-huh, a lot uh-huh. of um, <laughs> Mission Impossible movies. That diamond probably has files in it. Yeah, yeah. And Morrison is certainly perpetuating the diamonds are a girl's best friend trope with Catwoman. You know, she, she's crazed around him. She can't be trusted when diamonds are around. Right. And uh, then she starts trying to ask him about what the Batman Incorporated thing is all about. And he says, well, I have work in Tokyo tonight. You're free to do what you want from here. So he's saying, you can come with me or you cannot come with me. But either way, I don't really care. So he basically brought Catwoman to Japan to have sex with her in the hotel and then be done with her. If she wants. Or do you think he's being a tease? Or is he saying, I'm just not that into you? He's saying, I'm just not that into you. I can take you or leave you when it comes to you joining me in Tokyo. I I don't really need you. So you can come if you want. (laughs) And I would love to have sex with you if you come. But- you you don't have to. This is a, just an open invitation to join. I also feel like Batman is saying a lot with his body language in this scene and how he's not being very receptive to Catwoman physically. Like, he's not going to stop what he's doing to have this conversation with right. her. Right, he's just laying back, lifting weights. Yeah, he's he's lifting an insane number of those big, round yeah, weights. Yeah, he looks like Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. Yeah, he does. And um, she's just slinking around, like, drinking champagne right out of the bottle. And um, <laughs> while he's doing this, she's asking him, like, tell me about the diamond And he's just avoiding eye contact with her and giving her evasive answers. And even when she sits down on his lap, he continues to to work out. And That's um, him flirting, Lisa. I don't think that's him flirting. (laughs) I think that that is him being closed off. Yeah, being a gross dude. And um, so, like, while he's working out, he's like, you're free to do what you want from here. And she's like, as long as I'm not that bad girl that I usually am. And he's like, and he responds, absolutely. But then he lays out what, like, my priority on this trip is not you and your feelings. He says, but I'm here to train a Japanese Batman that means challenging the local underworld. How many lives do you have left to risk? So he's, like, kind of showing, like, um, concern for her safety, perhaps. Barely. But barely, exactly. <laughs> and so then she straddles him. He's continuing to work out. And she's like, well, as long as it doesn't involve water, right. I'm, I'm in. So to me, I think he's being very closed off. He's being very evasive. And she's being very forward. And he is not being very. Okay. So she joins him, of course. And. He is going to meet up with Mr. Unknown, who apparently has a, a bat cave of his, un, of his own or an unknown cave that lurks underneath a monster. A.K.A. Brad's dreams. Underneath every comic book shop, there is a secret lair. For Brad to sleep in. Yes, that's true, Lisa. <laughs> he wants to lay him a superhero. Yeah. Now, 
Again, I find this a little weird. Catwoman walks into the manga shop and she sees some weird hentai porn commercial, uh, an advertisement on the wall. And then she's picking up manga and she just cannot understand what the appeal is. I think that's kind of rude. She's clearly like a kinkster herself and she's just out in the world yucking people's yum. That's a little rude. Well, what's weird to me is Grant Morrison with Mr. Unknown is Dead is making reference directly to Jiro Kawada's Bat Manga in which, you know, in the 60s, because Adam West's show was so popular, Japan decided they were going to have a Batman comic. And Kawada took kind of the the campiness of Adam West's Batman and applied it to a manga style, but made it very serious. So it's a really weird comic to read. Hmm. And Lord Deathman is a reinterpretation of a one-off lame brain character from the early 60s Batman comic in manga form. And in the manga, Lord Deathman is crazy. He's this character who has mastered the the technique of yoga to reduce his breathing to the So he appears unkillable. It's a great comic. I recommend everybody to go grab those trades or download those digital. Grant Morrison is in love with what Kawada did because he's including that into his grand scheme of Batman continuity. But then you have this sequence where he seems to be mocking manga and the Japanese culture of manga. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't be a controversial character unless he was just a little bit racist. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it's a strange moment. It's a strange moment. He's a strange dude. I love him. But sometimes, uh, eyebrow raise. Underneath the manga shop, we discover that Mr. Unknown has been killed by Lord Deathman. Lord Deathman's skeleton goons attack. And we also meet Jiro Asamu. That's uh, a name reference to both Jiro Kawada, the bat manga artist, and Asamu Tezuka, the godfather of manga. That's cool. And Jiro Asamu is the body double for Mr. Unknown. Mr. Unknown is now in his 50s, and he can't do all the acrobatics that he once could, so he's hired this body double to do all the physical actions of Mr. Unknown while he kicks back and does the detective of work. Right. And um, apparently Lord Deathman and his goons have figured this out and they start going after Osamu where it hurts. So they take. Right. Batman learns of the body double from the goon of Lord Deathman and Batman and Catwoman race to Jiro's apartment. Jiro's returning home from a pretty terrible day. His master's just been murdered. He's uh, immediately accosted by his landlord, who's like, there's a massive leak happening from your apartment. What's the deal there? He goes, I'll take a look at it later. And then he gets to his apartment, and he knows something is up, so he's pulled his gun. And when he opens the door, he sees the goons and all of this smoke, and his girlfriend, Mizaki, is sitting on... all tied up in a chair and sit, and she's like, don't come any closer. There's mines in the carpet. Yes, and there's Lord Deathman. Jiro takes his pistol, fires several shots into Lord Deathman, who falls out the window, and then Jiro's girlfriend uh, falls into this 
water hole, like this bathtub that's on the floor of his apartment. And it's actually a trap door to the apartment below that's filled up with a tank of water containing a giant killer octopus. Batman and Catwoman come through the door. Batman sees Jiro use the gun against uh, Lord Deathman. That's a no-no for Batman Incorporated. Jiro, shame, shame, shame. And uh, Catwoman dives in after Jiro's girlfriend, and now it's octopus battle time. True Jules Verne insanity. I love Batman's expression when he's he's like, okay, I'm going to handle the goons. And then he sees Catwoman dive into the tank of water, and he's looking at her with disbelief. I think that she's really trying to prove something in that moment. She's going like, see, Batman, I'm willing to do anything Right. Well, what's interesting is, you know, this is how the next issue kicks off. And when the, the, those panelings that Yannick Pen- Pequet has created, it looks like Jiro just, Jiro's girlfriend just disappears through the floor. And it's kind of confusing to the reader, especially when Catwoman follows behind. It's almost like she's diving into a black hole. And then you turn that page and you realize what's beneath the apartment, that octopus. And it's this. She knows that it's water because she looks at it and she says, water. She's like, water? And but, then she but, says, what but, was the one thing? But visually, weren't you, like, surprised by just how, like, where is this pool going? I thought they were in an apartment complex. It's a bizarre s- yeah. s- visual. And then you turn the page, and then we have our own little hentai moment. Yes, she gets to relive that advertisement. <laughs> yeah, so Misaki is there and, and a Catwoman, and they are twisted up in the tentacles so of an enormous octopus. do you think octopus. Morrison earlier when he's having Catwoman be kind of uh, appalled and disgusted by that hentai advertisement and the manga, and then for that to become a reality within this comic book? Hell yes, that is is 100% on purpose. Well, I know it's on purpose, but do you think he is saying that American comics are no different than that hentai porn that we chastise as American comics readers? I don't know. I mean, if that is his point, very evolved. I don't know, Lisa. I think he is saying we're all perverts. We're all perverts all over reading our slutty comics. I'm down. Why not? She's wearing bondage gear. She's wrapped up in tentacles. Maybe somebody finds that sexy. And I approve of that. Uh, Lisa, that page right there, my favorite page in the entire comic. I mean, it's gorgeous. (laughs) It is. That fight ends with Jiro taking out Lord Deathman's goons, Batman jumping to the outside of the building, breaking the window to the apartment below, and the octopus in the water come rushing out the side. Girlfriend is saved. Catwoman's alive. All is not well. What? There's an enormous octopus hanging out of an apartment building. That's a lot of sushi for a lot of delicious plates, Lisa. I like taro. I'm, like, down with it. I don't care that it's chewy. Anyway, um... And Mizaki is on the gurney, and she is not happy with Jiro. No. (laughs) And um, so she's like, you know, I thought you just worked at a comic book store. I didn't know you worked for Mr. Unknown. And he's like, come on, it's still like a secret identity. And she's like, you know what? Like, Lord Deathman was super gross, and now I'm like being... Going off on an ambulance, like, it's over between us. You cannot keep this enormous secret from me, which I think is pretty, like, 
pretty indicative of how like relationships go if you have to keep a secret identity, and, if you have to keep a really big secret from your significant other. And you other. do see that happen in superhero comics all the time. Again and, and again. That happens to Batman all the time. Hell yeah, it does. So, I, you know, uh, I, I can't blame Batman and Catwoman go back into Jiro's apartment to do a little detective work. And uh, they, you know, Catwoman and, and Batman, I think, have a pretty significant conversation there. Yeah, like. In her leather suit, and her leather suit is now full of water, and she is so disgusted with the whole situation. And as she's, you know, set up in the first battle between Dr. Savannah's robots and Batman and Catwoman, she does not like water, and she doesn't want to touch water, get no water in those creases. Exactly. And so she's like, you know, if I was going to choose, like, this is why I never wanted to be altruistic in the first place, because <laughs> I always end up just disgusted and she says i'm drenched you horrible man skin tight leather with water inside so what i think she's doing is she's like going like i just did this huge thing for you i faced one of my greatest fears i am uncomfortable like why don't you like he she's looking for a like a hey good job yeah batman's not there to give it to her and of course batman is like this is not altruistic you're in japan for another reason. So he just throws her some distrust, which he's right to, because we do find out she is does have other alternate reasons. Yeah, we haven't even talked there. about another heist that could be going on in the background of this story. Uh, but so Jiro wants to team up with Batman. Batman rejects him. He says, hey, you used a gun. You failed this audition. You're not worthy of Batman Incorporated. And Jiro is like, I'll show you. I'll show you what I can do. And so what happens is Lord Deathman comes back to life. Yep, and, those bullets did not kill him. And he heads right to the aquarium where there are going to be these really rare Kingdom of Poseidon diamonds. And he's going to go after the diamonds. So um, Jiro then fakes his own death. To as Mr. Unknown, as Mr. Unknown, as a way to prove to Batman that he has what it takes. And then Batman goes like, fine, I'll take you for a three month probationary period and you can be part of Batman Incorporated. And they take down Lord Deathman. You know, uh, Mr. Unknown throws a couple darts into his skull eyes. Batman delivers one hell of a gut punch to Lord Deathman and captures him. Now, what does he do? Batman encases him in a safe, a combo lock safe, and then puts it into a rocket ship and shoots him to space. Seems fair. Batman's got money. Only Batman could do that. Well, I guess Superman could have thrown him into space, but Batman's got the rockets. That's right. Um, so after that whole ordeal, Catwoman starts thinking about, I think, the whole situation with Mizaki and Jiro gets her really thinking about the kind of personal risk acquaintances of superheroes really take on. And she's, and Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle are on this roof trying to celebrate like everything that they accomplished. And she starts having the, tries to kick off the conversation. What's going to happen? What's really going to happen when the world finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman? And he says, well, I need to be surrounded by people who I can really trust. And he doesn't say that 
you are that person. You're you are one of those people that I, I think can he trust. says the exact opposite. He says that I hope you'll become one of these people. Yeah, because right now you most certainly are not. Because what do we learn? That Catwoman stole those diamonds. Yeah, she lightly maybe stole some super valuable diamonds. But jokes on her because they're magic diamonds that were forged underneath the sea. And when they're brought up to regular pressure, pressure that they, they just dissolve. They liquefy. Now nobody gets diamonds. How yeah. does anybody win with that Batman? I love that ending. Grant Morrison says, guess what? Batman Incorporated, it's a sitcom comic. We always end on a laugh. Wah, wah. Yep. And she's she's just making a pouty, pouty face. Mm, I really and there you have it, the first two issues of Batman Incorporated, Mr. Unknown is Dead, written by Grant Morrison and illustrated by Yannick Paquette. Lisa, okay, what have we learned? What's your final say on Bruce and Selina based on what we saw here? To me, I think that if Greg Barrett was giving advice to Selina, I think he would say, he's not that into you, just get out of, get out of this relationship. When you can, you know, Batman is not the settling down type, so just move on. But not every relationship is a forever relationship. I think that Batman and Selena Kyle really genuinely enjoy each other's insights. They genuinely enjoy each other's company. And while they know that they can't be for together forever, I think that in this case... They really are content on being together right now. And while Batman might, you know, Bruce Wayne might still be open to other relationships and Selena might want to go back to a less restrictive relationship where her man allows her to be the villain she really is deep down in her heart. Like, I think that it's okay for them to be keeping each other company for right now. It's not, not every relationship is the one. I think when I first got done reading these two issues, I came away feeling very giddy and fanboy-y and uh, just in relishing the things that Grant Morrison relishes. Uh, you know, a very 14-year-old boy approach to an on-again, off-again romance. Like, ooh, Batman, Catwoman, that's forbidden. They don't belong together, but let's have fun seeing what they'll get up to and what sexy positions they'll get into. <laughs> uh, you know, so as a cheesecake kind of comic, I really enjoy these two issues, the added bonus being all the fun Morrison is having with Jirakawada's Batman and, and tying in this massive, silly continuity that has occurred over the last 80 years. I've learned a little bit about myself and, and you know, that maybe I haven't developed into a mature adult like I should have with uh, all my comic book fascinations and fixations and obsessions. But I'm not afraid to admit that I like a good skin-tight outfit and tentacles and octopus attacks. Maybe we could incorporate this into the bedroom. Wow. No, wow. Lisa, no. I, don't wow. even, I can't even look at you when you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, uh, I guess as she says as she tucks her cat suit back into its Amazon yeah. <laughs> box. Can, can I ask you though? Yes. When you got done with these two issues, does it make you want to read the rest of what Grant Morrison has done? You're giving me a big face. Not necessarily. Face. Why is that? What, what what doesn't appeal to you? Like, was it just too slight? What was the deal? Was it not as uh, historically epic and fascinating as I made it sound at the beginning of this episode? I just don't. I just don't find it like. Unlike Frank Miller, year one, I just feel like there's it's very shallow. There's just not a lot of character work going on. We're not learning a lot about Batman. It's just kind of getting from point A to B. They're bringing up, they're getting a band together. But yeah. like to me, I would wonder how you would feel if I force you to read the rest of that trade paperback, the rest of the first volume of Batman Incorporated. I'd do anything for you, my love. The, I would read the rest of this, but like these two, these two issues didn't like really capture my heart. And and I, you know, I I do have to admit that the rest of that trade is done in a similar fashion, where it's just one and two issues where they are getting the band together, as you're saying. And so it does play a little. I would say light. I don't like to use the word shallow. I don't think there's anything. Well, there may be a few things shallow about Grant Morrison, <laughs> but he's a, he's a pretty deep. Continuity-wise, dude, anyway. <laughs> I'm getting defensive. Oh, I love it so much, Lisa. Uh, I don't regret uh, picking these two issues, though, for this Bruce and Selena conversation. I think we learned a lot about them and certainly a lot about myself. I don't know if you learned anything about yourself, Lisa. I don't know. That maybe I'm a little judgier than I should be. I, I feel judged. We have read the autobiography of Bruce Wayne, where clearly... Bruce and Selena together forever, two gravestones side by side, bumping elbows for all eternity. On another dimension. Uh, yeah, technically Earth 2. And then we read Batman Year One, where Batman and Selena Kyle didn't really run into each other a lot. We saw that Selena Kyle was interested in the Batman as a symbol and as, as an idea. But are they meant to be lovers? We don't know. And then... Clearly, in Batman Incorporated, we go, okay, um, Bruce Wayne, Selina, they can knock boots for a while, but they're not necessarily a forever relationship. So we have one more book, one more book to prove that Batman and Selina Kyle are meant to be together forever. So, Brad, what is that book? Well, they've got to be together forever because this is the wedding of Batman and Catwoman. Oh, they're bringing vows into this. Yes, as written by our Mr. Miracle Maestro, Tom King. What, what? And illustrated by every artist who's ever worked for DC Comics ever. Nice. <laughs> this is a massive issue, a massive storyline, a massive trade paperback. We're talking Batman issues 45 through 50, as well as DC Nation number zero, as collected in the seventh volume of the current Batman comic book run. I am so excited to talk this book with you, Lisa. Yay! Um, we've, you know, we've really only been dealing with a few issues every week this month, but now we're going to tackle a whole lot of comic book. Uh, not only will this be the first appearance of the Joker on our podcast, but also Booster Gold. Who the hell is Booster Gold? Oh, you are so ready to find out, Lisa. Indeed. 
Well, I'm definitely tuning in next week. And hopefully, oh listener, God. listener, one listener, you will too. Hey, Lisa, we've actually have several listeners, and we had a lot of interaction based off our Batman Year One talk. Oh, yay! Our most popular Batman episode so far. That is so wonderful. How about if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're loving these sweet, sweet personalities in your ear holes, why don't you send us some words of affirmation? So, Brad, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. Uh, I have been posting photos from Batman Brave and the Bold comics and Jiro Kawada's manga, really enjoying the world of Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle this month. Uh, but Lisa, how about you? Have uh, Can we go to your Twitter feeds? Where can we find them? And are you posting comic book pictures? You can find me always where I am accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. And I'll admit with Peter Tork's passing mm. of the monkeys, most of my feed has been celebrating his life. And not yeah. so much Batman, but I promise some Batman in your near future. Uh, at least I will retreat Brad. And listeners, if you're not at all familiar with the monkeys, can you do me a favor? Can you go and watch the Criterion Collection film of Bob Raffleson's head, the monkeys movie? I don't think that's a good starting place. If you've never watched any monkeys, I say go online on YouTube. All of the episodes are posted in one place or another. Watch a few of those and then... You can watch Head. Why I think Head is a good place to start for people who only think they know what the monkeys are based on Nick at Night reruns is because Head is a true, like, one, exploration of the 60s. That's true. And two, it's the monkeys taking down their persona. So I feel like most people have an idea of what the monkeys' persona is, and to see the monkeys react negatively towards the box that they were placed in, I think is a fascinating watch. But there's a lot of spoofing, yeah, I think. And true. I think that it's more valuable if you watch some of the monkeys first. Okay, all right. I am the monkeys ep- you are, expert. You are? Not you. That's true. They're my boy band, heart band, not yours. Because, so I say yeah. watch some of those episodes. Watch a half dozen. Watch The Devil and Peter Tork. That's a great one. Watch... The Monkey's Paw. That's my favorite Watch episode. the monkeys. Just watch go the monkeys. watch the monkeys. Go listen to some monkeys. Celebrate Peter Tork, Davy Jones, and the rest. Yeah. Okay. So follow us on the podcast, on all the social medias, at CBCC Podcast. Send us emails at uh, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. And there you go. Uh, until next time, folks, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport. Open. Doopy doopy.